Brian, Brian, you haven't said a whole lot. What's going well, through your head? I was going to say the, the real challenge is when you get stuck sitting next to somebody who really needs to trim their beard, but they don't think so. <laughs> and all you can do is stare at that beard and think, I just wish I had trimmers. You almost made me choke him away. <laughs> you did almost. You almost lost it there. That was awesome. <laughs> Welcome to episode 54 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or perhaps some other beverage of your choosing. You can watch us live Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern at pubtheology.com, and you can listen anytime to our edited podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. And you can also catch us on the New Thought channel on your Roku or other streaming device. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Casual Priest, the maker of fine clergy duds. They're based out of Sweden. If you want a more tailored, modern, confident, and stylish clergy apparel, they are your folks. They ship all over the world. Casual Priest. And you can join our conversation by calling in and leaving a message on our casual priest hotline. That's the voicemail. The number is 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830 for those of you without letters on your phone. And you will be automatically entered for a chance to win free clergy apparel from Casual Priest. Visit them at casualpriest.com. You can also join our conversation on social media using the Twitters and the Facebooks. Uh, whenever you throw in a comment at any time you listen during the week, please use the hashtag PTLive. Kaboom! And uh, exciting news. I'll be recording an episode uh, of sorts of Pup Theology Live at the Wild Goose Festival happening July 13 to 16 in Hot Springs, North Carolina. What is the Wild Goose Festival? So glad you asked. It's an <laughs> it's an art, music, and, and story-driven transform, transformational experience. You are about to say Transylvania, weren't you? It was, it was yeah. Nope, nope. <laughs> North Carolina. Basically, it's people gathering around art, music, justice, faith in a beautiful outdoor setting in uh, the woods and the mountains of Hot Springs, North Carolina. There's camping involved. It's a space to learn and grow together to co-create art, music, story, theater. It's a ton of fun. It's family friendly. My, my wife and I, my family and I have been to at least three of these Wild Goose Festivals and always have a blast. And so I'm looking forward to who I might rope in to be a part of that podcast, which will be happening at the podcast tent at the Wild Goose Festival. So if you're planning to be there, please come uh, look me up and uh, catch our live recording of the show. And uh, I, I love what you said. It is a family event. You can, if you if you got kids, bring your kids. You can camp. Uh, I'm trying to look up now to see who is the uh, headliner uh, for the music and stuff. But um, I've been to one of them myself uh, when I lived in the 
in Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, awesome, awesome event. So yeah, highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is a great time. So perhaps I'll see you there, friends. And uh, tonight we discuss what gives us hope these days. We'll talk about the challenges of being in community or in relationship with people from whom we differ significantly. How do we do that? And also, has Christianity made a metaphysical mistake? Has the role of belief become too central? We'll discuss all of that and more. My name is Brian Burke. Oh, yeah, go ahead. All right. I was going to call back to uh, Wild Goose, the... uh... Headline music act is blues performer uh, Billy Ray. If you've never heard of him, check him out. He's cool. Uh, speakers include Jim Wallace, um, a well-known uh, author and theologian. We got Diana Butler Bass, Reverend Otis Moss III, and William Paul Young, author of The Shack, which you've either read or the recent movie release, which I haven't seen yet, but everyone's telling me you should see it. So, uh, yeah, those are going to be the folks so far at Wild Goose Festival. And of course, our very own Brian Berghoff will be there. So yeah, look out. go check it out. Look out. So as you just heard, my name is Brian Berghoff. I am pastor of Holland UCC in Holland, Michigan, and author of the book, Pub Theology, Beer Conversation and God. And tonight I am mixing it up and going with a Merlot called Winking Owl. And this is a bottle of 299 wine from my local my local Aldi's and uh dude don't boast how much you paid for wine especially if it's under 10 bucks <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. Saying, you know for listeners on a budget this is That's a true this, this is a fine dry red that that is that is true um and with us as usual Ogan Holder yes I am Reverend Ogan Holder the minister of uh unity on the river in Amesbury Massachusetts author of France to Revelations, unabashedly honest reflections on life, spirituality, and life, spirituality, God. So, Amazon website, uh, you can go check that out. And I am also uh, drinking wine. This might be the this might be the night where we all drinking wine. If 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 Tina's drinking wine too, um, I am drinking um, a Paso Robles from uh, California. It's a wine blend. It's called the Honey Beast label, and Ooh, I should warn you that uh, I started. I started. You see how much is left. I started. Oh, oh boy! While I was cooking dinner, I see what's happening. Had had some during dinner, and now I'm having some for the podcast. It is a tasty, crisp blend. Well done. Well done. And tonight it looks like the gang is back together. So welcome, Tina Simmons. Hey, guys. Hey, um, so, Ogan, does that mean we should be expecting an awful lot of attitude from you? Listen, I bring the attitude regardless. The attitude comes, it is not connected to the uh, wine or beer consumption. You know I'm going to be me regardless. Okay. There you go. Uh, this is... Tina and um, the author of Xandrel, Being Human is Overrated. And tonight I am drinking Lagunitas, the Down Low Ale. Dun, 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 dun. Well Wait, done. are you the only one drinking beer tonight? And you're oh, drinking beer. I love it. Which? What? Brian? Yes, Brian. What are you drinking, drinking, Brian? 
I'm drinking uh, Merlot from California. Oh yeah. my goodness, we just did a total switch. Did All right. True. All right, let's do this. It's back. You'll it's be backwards happy. night. Honestly, glad to be back with you guys. I missed you. Um, you know, we had two shows without Tina and then one without me. It's felt like much longer than that. Um, but and we skipped a week uh, over and, spring yeah. break, so and, it's, it's right. literally we did not do a show with all of us in April. If that I think that is that is right. But uh, um, I don't know. I I did get to see Tina. Did I mention this when I was? I don't remember. I got to see Tina because I was out in I was out in Marin County, California, and she was she was nearby um, doing some training for her job. Yeah. So we. we I got, mentioned it last week when you bailed on us. Yeah, when, I heard about it last when, week when I couldn't make the show. What is this bailing? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Excuse me for not leaving my child stranded at the airport. Wow. So we have not all been in the same virtual room since March, and here we are, and it's May. So our first question is, what is your favorite thing about the month of May? My favorite thing is that it's the month before my birthday month. June. Of course. It's like a pre-birthday uh, my birthday, month. My birthday is June 1, so it is, it is pre-birthday month. That's the thing I love most about May. Um, also, uh, here in the New England area, it's the month that things finally start to get warm. Um, spring, uh, uh, Washington, D.C., where I used to live, just recently broke an all-time April yes. temperature record with it like, hit 92 or something ridiculous like that. No, it was 96 during the climate march last week. Oh, weekend. my goodness. 90 oh, how appropriate. <laughs> no. Right? Perfect for, a, perfect for a march extolling the, uh, the horrors of the approaching climate change dilemmas. Um, yeah, but here in New England, a balmy average, uh, still high 40s, low 50s. We, we have some days where it's up to 70-something, but it's not the norm yet. So May is usually when spring really arrives. Things are finally, you know, trees are finally getting their leaves out. Flowers are popping out of the ground. It's starting to be consistently warmer. Um, so I'm, I'm all for that. Nice. Brian, I have a feeling Ogan is going to remind us every single week that his birthday is June 1st. Mm, we're in for oh, it. Oh, to, to bat, brace yourselves. <laughs> you have no uh, idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of with, with Ogan, though. I, I'm on the opposite side of the country, and it is a little bit warmer here than it is in his climate. Um, but this here, it's when the rain starts to break, and it is even when it's raining, it is absolutely gorgeous here with all the flowers and everything is so green and it's just stunning. Um, and on the whole 90 degree thing, Napa was 90 degrees today, too. Wow, hmm. yeah, wow, crazy stuff. What about you, Brian? What do you yeah. like about this, May? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I think. I'm kind of, I, I agree with the weather part, although we had quite a warm April here in Michigan. And now that it's May, it was a high of 45 today. So, you know, <laughs> we had like, you know, mid 60s in April and suddenly May shows up and now it's four, high of 45 today. And we have a chance of ice, rain and or snow on Thursdays. So welcome May. There you go. Cool. But I will say that May brings the Tulip Festival here in Holland, and the tulips are blooming and beautiful, and uh, we just hope that ice rain can be gentle and not cause any petals to fall before the festival. Isn't, so, uh, that, um, isn't that fitting for your namesake, 
Because isn't Holland known for their tulips, like the country of Holland? You got I, it. I was just about to ask if that's like a, a an homage to the to the mother country. It, it absolutely is. It was a, you know a town was founded by a you know group of uh, immigrants from the Netherlands, and they brought their tulips and their wooden shoes and Dutch dancing with them, and that will all be on display. That's awesome. Tulip Time Festival. And they uh, and they obviously didn't give the energy into being original. They were like, oh, we're from Holland. Let's just call this place Holland. Exactly. There you go. It was a tribute to their country. Now, and it's funny that, you know, uh, the first brewery, first brewery in our town is called New Holland Brewing. And you've probably had their Dragon's Milk or uh, some yeah. of their other offerings. But uh, you would have thought they'd call the town New Holland. Right. I thought yeah. it was New Holland. Where do you live? I live in Holland. They phoned yeah. it in, man. They just phoned it in. They're they like, just said, what should we go? <laughs> Let's see. We've got uh, Nederlands, uh, something else, Friesland, Holland. Let's go with Holland. Let's just go with Holland. So, uh, by, the, by the way, Brian, um, this is by no means a criticism. This is just a, maybe something you're not even aware that you do, but... Um, um, Often you you lead off your answer with that's a great question. Um, I think that when you write the question, you probably don't want to answer start answering by that's a great question. We know Why that. Why not, Ogan? You would totally do it. We know that. No, no. We <laughs> You'd all, be like, this is a great question because I wrote it. <laughs> listen, we all we all have our broadcasting ticks. You know, I I'm I I'm sure I have some. Uh, I'm sure you have some, Tina, um, our default way of answering while we are thinking about what answer we want to we want to. Yes, say. it's a stalling technique. You are it correct. It is a stalling technique, I, but, I, but I love it. I don't think it, there's Brian. anything wrong with it. But I love it when he says, that's a great question, and he's written the questions. It's I just I, It just tickles me a little bit. That's all I want to say. <laughs> well, They're I, all great I just appreciate that Tina bothers to ask me the the question because I think if Tina wasn't here, you would just go on to the next one and not right. not care if Brian had a thought. See, so no, no, that's not fair. <laughs> that's it's not fair. true, but it's not fair. <laughs> because I was I was trying to ask you exactly the same time she was. You just happened to hear her saying it, but ah, thank you both. Gonna, thank I'm you both. With what about you, Brian? And okay, Blair. but if we if we talk about patterns here, I am usually the one who does ask Brian. I. I think we would probably get through these questions faster when we're not all three together. I, How about if we tweaked it and I said, <laughs> I said, I'm glad that you asked. There you go. Is that better? Is that better? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for asking. I don't care what you say. Say whatever you want to say. <laughs> all right. Uh, good to know. This is what happens when we haven't been together for a while. All right. So back. Here's the, yeah, this, we're all back in the same room and <laughs> we just love each other. And I hope that's coming through to you guys because the love is real. So, 100 days in. Oh, Lord. To what? <laughs> uh, well, you, I think we all have an idea, right? We just crossed some threshold of 100 days in of, uh, of our new president, current administration. Yes. Our question too says hope. Where do you find hope these days? Where do you see hope in the world? Where do you see hope in your life, in your community? Where do you find hope? Um, I I I'm not finding it in the political arena for sure. That that's more depressing than it is hope. Um, especially after that whole um, spiel he went on about Andrew Jackson, that was just a little. 
<laughs> that was a little worrisome to say the least. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think my source of hope always uh, comes through my job. Um, you know, whenever there's someone who who um, has a moment of transformation, a moment of um, um, realization of, of of changing their old way of thinking, of belief system to uh, practice more of these, you know, unity teachings, and 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 kind of start to transform their life. That that is always what inspires me to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, continuing to create that container and context for their spiritual growth. That is probably um, the primary source of my feeling of hope that to know in the midst of all the stuff that's going on, there's, there's someone, there's always someone willing to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to enrich my life experience, transform, enlighten my life experience um, through a deeper relationship with, with God and, and here at Unity is what facilitated that. Um, but yeah, that always that always brightens my day um, in the midst of everything that's going on. Nice. What about you, Tina? What uh, what inspires you these days, or or makes you feel hopeful? You know, I, I have a. a when you when you asked that question, I had a rush of things come to me. Um, the first and foremost was um, my volunteer work on Thursday nights. Um, I help serve dinners to the economically and housing challenged and I love it. And like, I, I just feel, and, and it may sound counterproductive because you know, a lot of people are living on the streets and stuff, but just, you know, brightening their days and, you know, having conversations with them and, and, you know, just, you know, seeing all the different, like, this is a really good area where you can interact with people of completely different economical, um, racial, gender backgrounds, everybody. And it's like, that's how you live. And that's totally cool with me, you know, and I just feel like there's such a hodgepodge of people here that I get to connect with. So I think just living here, it makes me hopeful. Um, honestly, the, the space that we've carved out um, with our house and backyard and, you know, I, it's like peace to me there when I'm at home. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I just I that I just have that feeling like no matter what's going on in the world, I can always find peace inside myself. And um, you guys know I just started a new job, and like my life just gets better and better because I'm controlling my thoughts and my emotions and my actions. And you know, like so, like yeah. I just I don't want to feel like I'm living in a bubble. I know everything that's going on, but. Um, I just feel hopeful because I know that, um, you know, I'm a light in the world and I can make an impact in the world, you know? Mm, mm. And it makes me really hopeful when, you know, people come to me and tell me that reading Zandrail inspired them and that's what we need in this world. And because, you know, it, if you've read the book, which you haven't, Brian, um, it is, you know, all about having Ooh, hope in really desolate out. times. Calling you out. To call you out. Dang. Well, I'm an equal opportunity not reader. I've also not read Rants to Revelation. Yet. So those both need to be on my summer reading list. I will just and say. And I haven't, I haven't read Pub Theology, so we're all even. See, look at this. We're not all even. I've read both your books. Thank you. Oh, oh and I've read yours, Ogan. So, you know. And I, and I would say, Tina, um, uh, that you said something about it. It may not seem, uh, or it may seem counterproductive to be doing that, but 
I know you know it's not, and I will I will piggyback off of that to say, absolutely, it's not. Kindness and generosity is never counterproductive to anything, um, and and I love the fact that you're doing that. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, but I meant finding hope in um, being in that situation. You know what I mean? No, there's nothing counterproductive about that because you're you're in a compassionate place of providing a service. And and what I know is that being in service is a spiritual practice. It opens you up. It it real it makes it makes an individual realize that you know, uh, 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 we're all connected. There's that, and it provides a source of of hope. And and again, um, for for those who you are serving, to let them know that yes, there there is still love in this world. There are still people who are we're looking out for those who may have needs. So no, it's, it's, uh, there's nothing counterproductive about it. We, we need more of that. We need more establishments and opportunities where people give selflessly to those who may be in need. Cool. Yeah. And I appreciated you just noting, feeling like you're finding a, a rhythm in life and, um, operating at a sort of healthy level and that's that's not a small thing and you know it <laughs> you know it I a mean, lot. <laughs> right and you know your book subtitles being human is overrated and i mean being human is hard you know even in optimal settings like we we can screw ourselves up we can self-sabotage we can get in bad habits and to begin to feel breathing space or you know that you're taking steps that are the steps you want to take and that then allow other things to open up in your life. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Thanks. Where's your hope what? coming from, Brian? Let's just note that I asked the question mm. first. Where's your hope coming from? Mm. <laughs> I won't make any comment about that and, question. And it is a good question, by the way. Mm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I am glad you asked. Woo! <laughs> 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 So, you know, I feel hope from people I'm who I'm meeting who um who are just telling me things happening in their lives where they feel like you know, they're um having an awakening of sorts that mm -hmm. they're opening up to new things spiritually, new things uh in the world, new ways of seeing the world. They feel like they're seeing some things differently that they'd been a part of and didn't realize were a certain way. And they've been able to sort of step away from that and then kind of see it with new eyes. And I always think that's a beautiful and a healthy thing to do no matter what we're involved in. Uh, and, and these are people at different stages of life, right? People my age, people younger than me, people older than me. And I think it's particularly when I meet people who are, let's say, in their late 50s, 60s, and 70s who are open to learning and changing and growing that just inspires me because i think i fear that you know when i get to a certain age i'll think i've arrived or i've figured it out and i'll settle and i don't want to settle you know i want to be continually be open to be to learn and to grow so that, all of that gives me hope and i think because you have that attitude you always will be i'll drink to that <laughs> Ogan, you're muted, so we're not catching your wisdom. I was gonna say you gotta do uh, if you're open to change, you gotta do something with the beard. That, that. what's wrong with his beard? Oh, he's well, wrong with his you beard. You are just highly critical tonight. There's, there's nothing wrong with his 
beard, but I think it's time for change, for a new look. I mean, we, we, we got on the air, and I will say I did hear the word Sasquatch, so I'm just going to say. <laughs> oh, my, oh my gosh, God. Again. You missed it when, when, the, when the cameras first came on. I was like, dude, I missed the show for a week. What happened? Because <laughs> the beard is like... Oh, so it's you that's not comfortable with change, is what you're saying. Uh, he oh. just doesn't like the look. But I will say that uh, my my better half kind of digs it. So well, that's yeah. all that matters. That's kind of all that matters. Yeah. Forget about me. That's all that matters. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna you know try to get this thing down to here, and then we'll talk. Happy wife, happy life. That's... I was gonna say you get it down to there, she will not be digging in it anymore. <laughs> she will not be pleased. That's wow. That's when I'll get a roll on Duck Dynasty. <laughs> Go. That would be interesting. So I it'd be the in... only time I would watch it, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me, you and me both. Also, I, I, you know, I'm not good with weapons and hunting, so that wouldn't work out very, very well. There you go. So I, I saw this theme that uh, a church was doing for a workshop, and this was a more progressive or liberal church. I think it was a UCC church, and and so the quote, uh, the title of the workshop was. I know we're all welcome at the table, but do I have to sit next to you? It's cracking just, up when I read that. I just kind of <laughs> liked that. You know, I like the honesty there. And, you know, I will note that at some churches, certainly all are not welcome at the table. So I want to put that out there, that it's it's a step to at least say all are welcome at the table. That's one step. But then living into that is an entirely different thing. So just wondered what you guys thought about that some of the challenges you faced as you've tried to be in community or even just in relationship with people who are very different from you um you know i i think it's a great example of um highlighting the difference between love and like um like i got i i have members of my family that i love and some of those some people i don't like very much um, love for me, love is is an action. Love is something you do. Love is something you demonstrate. Um, but because I love you, as in I will sacrifice for you, I will serve you, I will help to make sure your needs are met. I will be compassionate. I will um, uh, meet you at the point of your need. I can demonstrate, you know, as Jesus said, love your neighbor um, as you love yourself. I can I can love you in that way. Hmm. An action. But there are parts of myself I maybe don't like as much. There are people, again, in my family that I maybe don't like as much. So, but I, even if I don't necessarily like you, it doesn't mean I can't demonstrate and act in a loving way towards you. So because I don't like you doesn't mean that if you're not having a need or at a point of need doesn't mean I won't step in. And meet you there. That's that's true love. Love's not dependent on like and how you feel about the person. That's true compassion. That's true love in action. So yeah. I think that's awesome. I, and 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 there's a lot of that in churches. You know, I've been involved in churches since I've been since I was like pretty much all my life. As long as I can remember, I've been involved in church in some way, shape, or form. And often you think church is a place where you will always find unconditional love, compassion. No, no, nobody thinks that, Nogan. Nobody yeah. thinks that. No, no, no. I, I, <laughs> I beg to differ. Many people think that, and then they're often stunned when the reality of it 
of the opposing reality hits them that yes, that's that is the premise of spiritual community, but spiritual community involves people, <laughs> and we bring we bring the yeah. full extent of our peopleness uh, and our humanity to church, and the same yeah. stuff happens that happens outside of church, and and truly the spiritual work is to say, oh wait, that's that's not that's not the point here. The point is to you know to to transcend that. Well, I, I think, you know, whether it's church or work or your family, any table you're sitting at, there are people you'd rather be sitting next to. But the point is, you can find something in common with every human being. There's, I mean, there's there's something you can find, common ground, and the trick to it, um, the trick to it is controlling the conversation. So if you're sitting and, and I know you didn't mean this completely literally Brian but this is this is where I went my brain sure. went automatically is if you're sitting next to somebody that you don't have a lot in common with you don't want to hear what they have to say I mean everybody likes certain people and that's just how we're wired we like people that are like us you know it, it reaffirms who we are I like people who can have deep conversations if you want to sit next to me and talk about the latest style of purses and makeup I'm gonna be bored out of my freaking mind but there's always something common you can find. So if you can control the conversation by asking questions, you can find common ground with anybody and you can tolerate sitting next to them in any situation. Um, and, you know, saying hi to them in church or at work or wherever you are and just, you know, connecting. It only takes a few minutes to connect. Hmm. That being said, I have a night of conversations like that and I am freaking drained like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, you're shot. Yeah, yeah, because you're really sort of extending yourself to well, and particularly if you're in the situation where you uh where you can't control the conversation and the person wants to talk about that stuff that doesn't interest you, then it's like even more so you have to go out of your way to to hear, to listen, to try to show some interest. And sometimes that's really hard because as you said, maybe it's about something you just really don't care at all about, but care for the person would show if you show some interest in that conversation. But, but, it, but we all we all have the same basic needs. And I think, you know, to Tina's point, not so much controlling the conversation, but 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 steering the conversation towards what those basic needs are. We all have the basic need to be loved. We all want to love. We all have the basic need of belonging. We all have the basic need of wanting to be honored and respected. So, yeah. so, so yeah. So even if you don't have things in common, you can both talk about where you belong. You can both talk about where you feel included. The fact that you're at the same church, for example, means that there is something that you have in common in yeah. wanting to be there. And but, Ogan, you, you have to admit, you get wrapped into the everybody gets wrapped into the conversations where somebody is just going on and on about something. They just have to get off their chest and sure. you know, you just kind of have to sit like Brian said, you just have to sit there and be present for them. <laughs> or, or sometimes we just look at the surface level of things. You know, this person looks a certain way, dresses a certain way, speaks a certain way, uh, is involved in certain things. And therefore we are drawing certain conclusions about them and then going, this is not me. So I have nothing in, common with this person but that's just when you stick at the surface level you know can you challenge yourself enough to dive deeper and 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 like you said what are the things we have in common what are those base needs that we all have in common 
that that we can connect with um and and for me if you're sitting in a church there's automatically you know that that idea um, why why is there automatic connection just because you're sitting in the same church well if you're sitting in the same church there is some kind of spiritual yearning that's probably brought you there or a need to belong to community or a need we all have a need to belong to community Ogan. but that's you're, you're making my point so let that be the basis of where the connection lies um, and get away from the connection is different than conversation though. Like you're, you're just, I, I think like, I feel like you're saying about just the energy of the space you're in and I totally get that. But what would you do if you sat down at a table and the person next to you just wouldn't stop talking about how much they support Trump and can't stand people that don't. Mm. Well, so, so my response to a person like that would be, what is it that Trump represents for you? What is it, what is it that you see in him that is meeting a need that you want? And more often than not, the conversations I've had with people like that is that it's a need for something different in Washington, a need for shaking up politics as is. And I can relate to that. I can relate to the fact that I am, sure. I also am not happy with, you know, politics as usual. You know, I may not think that, that, that Trump is the way to achieve that based on his, you know, lack of experience in, in politics and all that kind of stuff. We can differ on that, but I can, I can relate to the need for something different to happen. Um, so, so that's could be a starting point as well. That was a surprisingly good answer. Well, this is what happens when I start on my wine before the show. <laughs> Ooh, it was a good answer. And also I think, I think well done Tina to, to bring in a um, situation where there's maybe tension and a high disagreement, you know, because I think on political levels, it can be really hard for a very left-leaning person to talk to a very right-leaning person uh, because there's just fun, there's fundamental different ways of seeing the world or, you know, a conservative Christian and uh atheist you know for example it can be hard to it can feel threatening like well what do you mean you don't believe in god like god is the whole world to me and you're just like saying i'm making that up or you know and so it can be really easy instead of doing what ogan said of trying to go deeper with their their view it can be easy to peel back and get defensive and feel like they're attacking you because they disagree with your view or your approach and so I think Ogan highlighted a really helpful principle to not take it personally and to say, you know, tell me more or what is that? What do you see out of that? Or, how, you know, what gives you life out of that? Or what, why are you a fan of that? And that can help bring it to that deeper level where, okay, now, like, now we can talk about that perhaps. And a perfect example, um, um, relevant current political example is around the whole healthcare debate. So, you know, the, the narrative from the right of, you know, repeal and replace Obamacare and the narrative from the left that's the opposite have been butt in heads. But then when it came down to it, every, like, I think mostly everybody is like, oh, I love this idea that we get coverage for pre-existing conditions. That's, that's a great thing, you know? Yeah, that's and, right. And I'll, and, and I'll use that as a personal example. When I, when I worked in Kansas City, I carpooled with um, a colleague of mine who lived in the same neighborhood. It was about 20, 25 minute commute. And 
Um, and we were, I, I would say, you know, on opposite sides of the, of the mm. aisle, you know, I'm more progressive. He's more conservative. Yeah. But, but one of the things was he had a son who, um, basically had a, you know, congenital condition from birth mm. and was having, uh, at the time, a, a ridiculous amount of trouble getting healthcare coverage for his son, you know, and, even though he was more conservative, we agreed on the fact that insurance companies should not deny people because of pre-existing conditions. And you know, he was he was a, a fan of the idea of when there was when um, the whole uh, Affordable Care Act, aka Obamacare, was starting to roll out. That look, I can now get coverage for my son. Uh, because of this mandate, and it wasn't that he suddenly switched political parties. He didn't do that. He didn't. He didn't switch his views, big picture. But here was something we can talk about. Here was something we could agree on. That that it wasn't about politics. It was about compassion. It was about what's the decent human thing to do here. Yeah, I think we're seeing that now when so many people on both sides of the political aisle are saying. You know whether whether we were Republican or Democrat or Libertarian or whatever, this idea that insurance companies want to want to uh, not 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 treat us well by saying, "Oh, you're already sick, so we're not gonna cover you." Um, that's I think something everybody could agree on that is an in, is a, is a humane thing, uh, a humane approach. So 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 if I'm talking with somebody on you know, that's a Trump supporter, and I'm not, I'm pretty sure we can find common ground on at least that as well. Yeah, good. Yeah. Oh, I think I stumped her. I think I stumped no, her. No, no, oh I'm, just, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, <laughs> people show compassion for things that affect them directly. Um, sure. That affected him directly, but would he have the same compassion for somebody else that had a different problem, or he, would he feel that way if he didn't have a son who had disability? Sure. I mean, no, I, I um, agree with you, and probably not. But that's that's the work. The work is to find the thing that you can both relate to. So that whole thing about you know what what, uh, what was the question? Do I have to sit next to you when you find yourself next to a person who you think? you may not have any common ground or you may not agree on because they believe something different or you assume that you believe they believe something different, you find that peace. There's always something. I have never met another human being that there wasn't something we could find to relate to each other. You know, whether it's, you know, both parents. I don't care where you are on any political spectrum. When you're both parents, you have a common issue that you can talk sure. about. You know, are you both, you know, is it two guys? If you're two men, you got an issue, you got common stuff you can talk about. Um, you know, is that person also black? I got issues I can talk about. Is that person? Why does it have to be issues? Why, why does it always have to be like bad stuff? Well, common no, no, ground, I think, is I'm what you saying, mean. I'm saying there are things we can relate on. Is that person, okay. you know, have they been married? I've been married. We can talk about that. Um, are they, are they widowed? I'm widowed. We can talk about that. Did you they know. did they use a pillow last night? Something. <laughs> you know. did, they breathe, did they breathe today? Mechanical or manual toothbrush? Where are you? Organic, non-organic products? Like there's something on this planet that we that there's some common 
ground that we can discover. I think most people just don't want to put in the work and put in the effort. Well, I, but that comes down to the whole people spend more time trying to convince other people of their perspective than to actually listen to what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. Brian, Brian, you haven't said a whole lot. What's going well, through your head? I was going to say the, the real challenge is when you get stuck sitting next to somebody who really needs to trim their beard, but they don't think so. <laughs> and all you can do is stare at that beard and think, I just wish I had trimmers. You almost made me choke on my wife. You did. All, you almost <laughs> lost it there. That was awesome. Woo. Oh, man. My goodness. All right. Let's, let's move on to uh, this really interesting comment by uh, Karen Armstrong. Uh, incredible writer on religious stuff. And she wrote an article a few years back called Metaphysical Mistake. And she says that the emphasis, extraordinary emphasis on belief in Christianity is an accident of history that's distorted our understanding of religious truth. And so she says, we call religious people believers as though acceptance of a set of doctrines was their principal activity. And she goes on to say, maybe that shouldn't be the principal activity of a religious person, um, such as she lists Buddhists, Hindus, Jews, Muslims, others who say that religion is something you do, not necessarily something you just believe. So thoughts? I think it's a both and. It is, it is a both and. I don't think you should either be just grounded in belief or just grounded in um, action. I think it's it's a both and. I think the belief is uh, kind of a starting point that you put into action, and over time your beliefs evolve and um, your actions um, change as well. And uh, and I also think I take issue with her leaving like Christianity off that list of um, things you do because you know in in the broadest sense Christianity is you know, based on the teachings of Jesus. And Jesus was all about action. You know, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Forgive your brother seven times seven. It it was action-oriented. It was. Sure. sure. I think, was. but I think she's saying much, many uh, incarnations of Christianity today, many strands of Christianity emphasize heavily the belief sure. angle. So, of course... Christianity could be listed alongside those other religions, but I think the point of her piece is that why is it that so often, and perhaps uniquely so, in Christianity, it's about believing the right things far more than it's about doing the right things. And, and who was it? Who was it we had on? I think it was Hugh, or maybe it was Derek. But we we had somebody on, you know, who there are groups out there that, you know, won't help feed the you know housing challenged or whatever until they proclaim that they're they're christian or that they're doing it you know what i mean like like when yeah. you when your action is a, attached you to attend a bible study or a yeah a like when service. your action is attached to i don't know when when you say belief to me it, it's to me that's living in the answer and clinging to an answer instead of living in the question and so i disagree with ogan that it's a and but and i think I think religion should be action. Um, I think it should be action within and without, and it's not clinging to anything because there is no concrete idea of God that one person is right about. I didn't. I didn't and say that's a, what belief is to me. I didn't say a. I didn't say a but and. I said a both and. 
some element of belief, but the action has got to accompany it. So I'm always the first person to say, you know, when, when people ask, you know, how do you get to that point of enlightenment, evolution, whatever, my answer is always practice, practice, practice. You know, you, you've got to, it's not enough. That's unity's fifth basic principle. It's not enough to know these things. You have to live them, you know, and, and again, going back to Jesus, it was the same thing. It was like, you got to love your name. What, what's, you know, he boiled it all down to two commandments. Love God with all your whole heart and soul. I believe that's more of a belief idea. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's an action idea. It's, it's the both and. And all these Buddhists, Hindus, Jews, Muslims, there's, there's a belief element there. You know, I, I don't think you're going to find a, someone who practices Islam who doesn't say they don't believe in the tenets right. of the Quran. There's belief there. Yep. Um, and in practicing, I think, um, to her point, that yes, Christianity has, yes, for some strains of Christianity, the yes, the belief matters more than the action. And I would say, you know, send the emails to me, but I would say those who are uh, saying they believe in the tenets of Christianity and don't practice them, they're hypocrites. And Jesus was, that was Jesus's thing. He called out the scribes and the Pharisees who knew the law in, you know, <clears throat> backwards and forwards and can quote and, you know, recite all the law word for word, but weren't actually living them. So, yeah. And there's a piece in this quote also that 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 you mentioned that you didn't mention, yeah. which it says, uh, uh, "Acceptance of a set of doctrines was the activity before undertaking the religious life. Many feel obliged to satisfy themselves about the metaphysical claims of the church, which cannot be proven rationally, since they lie beyond the reach of empirical sense data." Right. And I I kind of took a little issue with that because, uh -huh. um, for me. Um, and I'm not clear how she meant that because I didn't read the whole thing. And, you know, I don't know what the context of this was. But but for me, there is empirical data. The empirical data is my life. Is my life transformed through my beliefs and through the practice of my beliefs? Ah, and if it is, that's, good. that's my empirical data. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And I think you're right on with that. Like when you are living into the practices that your beliefs uh, point you toward and you can see, hey, this is this is making a difference in my life. Yeah, there's something empirical there. I think what she's referring to is the classic metaphysical claims of the church, such as the Trinity, uh, that God is uh, three persons and that Jesus of Nazareth was the second person of that said Trinity. It was God incarnate in human form and oh, yeah. that... That, you yeah, know, and that when Jesus died, that he went to hell and, and did some right. work down there. And that because of his, you know, we could go on, right? A big list of things that no one can prove and that are sort of the realm of faith uh, and, and somewhat belief. But is the point to believe a bunch of things you can never prove? Or is it to say, I have some faith in the sense of the divine that I find in this tradition. I have a faith in the sense of divinity that I see in this person of Jesus. And even though I can't, you know, figure it all out, I'm going to take some steps in a direction that his teachings point because I doing that by faith. 
and then we'll see what happens. Well, you know what? You know what I think is hysterical is um, Jesus always spoke in uh, parables. He spoke in stories. Did it matter if the stories were true or not, or did the message mm. matter? So mm. now here we are taking the stories about Jesus' life and arguing about whether they're true or not. Who cares? Isn't the whole point what it means, yeah. like the yeah. message in it? Yeah. Isn't no, that I his, think, wasn't that his point? I think the beauty of bringing up parables is it points out that a story can be true and also have never happened. Yeah. Right? You better yeah. explain that. So here's, well, uh, here's an example. I, I just recently at our at uh, at my pub theology gathering here, pub theology Newburyport, uh, somebody brought up the parable of the prodigal son, and how they've yeah. always had trouble with it, and we had this whole long discussion about it. Um, and I reminded them you that the the whole story about the prodigal son never happened. It was a story that Jesus told <laughs> right so exactly. he but but so many people when they make reference to the prodigal son treat it as if it was something that actually happened right like, no jesus this is a story that jesus made up to prove a point he was a master storyteller you know yes. we look at the good samaritan that story that never actually happened another story <laughs> right. invented and he intentionally made the hero of the story a villain for his listeners so yeah. that it would put them in that like like you know fizzle uh, uh, philosophical angst and 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 discord about oh I really like that story and that dude stepped up oh wait he's a Samaritan oh. uh, I got I got problems with that you know so so yeah so that's what I meant Tina by saying a story could be true and also have never happened in other words there are true things in the Good Samaritan like we learn truths from it. Right. And we learn truths from the parable of the prodigal son. But as Oga said, neither of those stories ever happened. You know, maybe variations, but Jesus was telling a parable. He was telling a made-up story. And, and let's but take there's still back. truth in it. I, I yes. see what you're saying. And yeah. let's take that back to an even bigger level about Jesus himself. Did all the things that were written about Jesus actually happen? Did Jesus actually happen himself? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Did or not, there are still truths. There's still wisdoms. There's still... Um, 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 important uh, teachings that we learn from the stories about Jesus. Uh, I think that was my whole point. Yes. Yeah. So, exactly. So, so the literalism, again, get away from the literalism. Um, and, and that may be Karen Armstrong's point about believing, you know, do we have to believe in the literalism of the story? And I would say no, we don't delegitimize the truths in the story, the teachings in the story, what we can learn from the story to expand our own consciousness, to yeah. get us to place of more compassionate, generous living. Yeah, exactly. So for example, she says, all good religious teaching, including such Christian doctrines as the Trinity or the Incarnation, each of these teachings is basically a summons to action. So if you believe that Jesus is God incarnate, that might prompt you to say, wow, when God arrives in human flesh, this is what it looks like. He spends time with the poor. He spends time with people that no one else will spend time with. He feeds the hungry. He forgives his enemies. You know, wow, if that's what God is like when he's among us, then maybe that's what I might be called to be like. Now, I do have to call shenanigans on the whole Trinity thing because that's just messed up that 
and nobody can really understand or explain that. You can't call shenanigans I, on I, one well, of the core doctrines of the Christian faith. Come on. You know the whole Trinity thing <laughs> is just a mess of a story. Wow. Here's a, so It is a deep mystery to be forever <laughs> contemplated and never penetrated. Yeah, exactly. My point exactly. <laughs> it's a sort of like Paul and the Walrus. That's all I'm saying. Ooh, exactly. Oh, it's a mess. <laughs> no, there's a great. Do you guys? Do you guys uh, uh, watch Mr. Deity? That podcast. That uh, oh yeah, 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 podcast? classic. He has a great video on the Trinity where it's just him and Jesus trying to trying to understand the Trinity between each other. Yeah, and who's who's the guy who plays the Holy Spirit once in a while? Is it, Bob? Uh, is it Paul or not Paul? Uh, uh, I know, but there's this one guy who's like the helper guy. But he's he awesome. wasn't he wasn't even in there. It was just no, I know it. And you gotta watch it because it is hilarious and it really points out the whole like like conundrum between trying to understand this whole Trinity. Of course, of course, it's like the it's like the memes that show Jesus praying in the garden. It says. Dear God, it's me, you. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, right. You Literally know. talking to myself, if that's true. <laughs> exactly. We can tie ourselves in these theological knots with the whole uh, Trinity thing, and and I think that's where. And it's I think beautiful you know, mystery to her. Beautiful mystery. <laughs> kind of a nightmare, if you ask me. <laughs> But but to her point, there is something about this whole like blindly believe in something that doesn't make sense to us. I don't ever really want to believe something that I can't like in some way wrap my head around or 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 you know surrender to the to the mystery of it. Which is why, which is why I'm in unity because because unity yeah. allows me to 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 find a way that this this doesn't um, I guess leave unanswered questions. And and to Tina's point, she made earlier. Um, we we always have to keep living in the question of of things. That was uh, okay. incidentally was supposed to be the original title of my book. They thought rants to revelations would sell better. Um, and given given how much uh, my royalty checks are, I don't <laughs> the right choice. <laughs> you can't say that they were right. They weren't. I can say they were not right. But you know what? Every time that thirty nine cent check rolls in, I cash that baby dude don't tell you don't tell people what your royalty checks are right? <laughs> just like don't tell people how much you spent on that bottle of wine i you know touche <laughs> touche and well played touche and well played uh I, I i i have no embarrassment on our shame about the uh the the, the proceeds of my of my book none at all wait <laughs> I, I, I missed the beginning of the show how much did you spend on that wine oh me <laughs> oh wait oh is you the one who did it Yes. Two ninety nine. <laughs> oh, is that a two buck chuck? No, yeah, it's a step that. up. It's a it's a three dollar winking owl, and it is a very good dry red merlot. Okay, Brian, wow. just just for your information, anything under five dollars is generally in that category of two buck chuck. So you're there. <laughs> oh, I know, yeah. Oh, I know it, but this is better. I mean, I've had two buck chuck. This is a step up. I'm just gonna say. Oh, uh, okay. It's a no. My my wine from Wink. Uh, for thirteen dollars, that's the step up. <laughs> well, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Wow! So we've talked about uh, what we appreciate about May, where we find hope, how to you know be in community or relationship with people different than us. We've talked about the perhaps undue focus on belief in Christianity. 
I don't know. Any anything you'd like to leave us with as we move toward a close here, friends? Um, um, I'll, I'll reiterate Tina's point. That's something I really believe in. Always, always asking, always ask the deeper questions. Never settle. Mm. I think we get ourselves into trouble, and I think this might have been the point Karen was Karen Armstrong was making in her quote. When we latch on to a belief and we don't question it in order to go deeper, that's when we get ourselves into trouble. I think certainty, certainty is 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 a death death knell. Is that the quote? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no certainty. Mm. Can I do a shameless plug <laughs> and break do, the whole atmosphere? You could do um, a shameful plug if you want. I don't care. So <laughs> So if, if there's anybody from the Portland, Oregon, um, Vancouver, Washington area listening tonight, I will be at Celestial Balance Friday night from five to nine doing a book signing in Vancouver, Washington. So come meet me in person. Come see Tina. Love it. Yes. Go, go support. Go support. And, yeah, I don't think we have a lot of West Coast listeners. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't. I don't, I don't care. They might be people from other coasts and the heartland who have West Coast friends that they can. That's true. Pass it on. They can talk, talk about. And uh, if you've not read her book, Zandrell, like Brian hasn't, um, I, I, I highly support you going out and uh, get a, get a copy. It is, it is good stuff. Good stuff. Brian, I'm, I'm sending you one because um, I didn't get you a birthday present. So. Oh, well. All right. I'll send you a copy of Ogan's book and, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For real. For Sneak real. And you know what, Brian? You have you. How old are your kids again? How old are your kids? Uh, they're between eight and thirteen. Yeah, you got you got some preteens, early teens. They will they will like this because because awesome. that, that's the audience for them. So you read it and then pass it on to them. Totally, we'll you know, do. Daughter, when when we were in Barbados earlier this year, um, my daughter. When the book came out, um, she took it to Barbados with her, and she like, in the space of a week, devoured it. Um, nice. So it's it's a good read. Good, excellent. Looking forward to it. So uh, my final word, I I like Ogan's. Uh, don't be wary of certainty, and I would just add to that: be be open to new things. Be open to 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 growth, uh, to discovering new ways to think about life, new ways to think about God, new ways to think about uh, what it means to be uh, a person in this world. So even if you're yeah. over 50, <laughs> even if you yeah, exactly, even if you're over 50, even if your beard's too long, that's right. There you go. <laughs> so thank you for tuning in friends to pub theology live. You can connect with us on social media and you can help spread the word there. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And of course you can listen to this podcast anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes. You're stuck in that long commute uh, to work every day, man, why not start it off with some pub theology live? And if you want to find a conversation like this happening in a brewery or pub in your town, go to pubtheology.com and check out the directory there. And if there's not one, perhaps you might be the person to start one. And you can find some resources for that. Thanks again to our sponsor, Casual Priest, who you can check out at casualpriest.com. And leave us a message on our Casual Priest hotline at 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830 to win some free sweet gear from Casual Priest. So until next time, friends, 
drink responsibly, and keep those conversations flowing. I'm confused. So question number four, which we didn't really get to mm-hmm. this whole connection between salvation and climate change. I, I, I didn't really understand what was happening here. So the quote is, in, you know, in case people come back to watch the video, which they often do is yeah. uh, Marilyn Sewell, who I don't know who that is, but I'm guessing you might know who's that white wife of Rufus Sewell. Okay. Who's From uh, man in the high castle. I oh, I made, oh I my made, god! I love that. I, he's awesome, but anyway, I made that up. That's not. Uh, you just so that's not who that is. You just made that up. <laughs> I made that part up. Yeah. Okay. Are you watching Man in the High Castle? Oh uh, yeah, I've I've seen first two seasons. Oh my god, we 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 love it here at our house too. It is it is freaking awesome. Anyways, uh, see the quote is because climate change is a phenomenon shared by all people in all places. We no longer can think of ourselves as independent agents or in fact exceptional, either as individuals or as countries, what touches one touches all. In a country in which individual striving is paramount, we need to reconsider the whole concept of salvation. What does it mean to be saved? Yeah, so, so what's your question? I am trying to... What's the connection between the salvation being saved and... Climate? Well, I, I think she is writing... I'm guessing that she's right, trying to write to a Christian audience who thinks of salvation in terms of heaven, in terms of escape from earth, in terms of something solely spiritual. And I think she's saying, look, if our concept of salvation doesn't also include saving the actual planet we live on and depend on for life, okay. then our concept of salvation is a little bit narrow. Ah, gotcha. Okay, that helps. But and I think, you know, climate change um, has, in in many ways, in a in a weird way, restored that. I think because of climate change, you know, <laughs> those of us who believe in it, <laughs> who's realized right. that, yeah. Yeah. that, yeah, there is that, have have come to realize that we are not separate from the earth. That it, it's not just this, you know, hunk of rock that we can treat however we want to treat it. That. Oh, to, no to uh, disparage the earth is to put ourselves in in jeopardy. So yeah, saving ourselves means to save the earth. I, I kind of get that. Um, but, but, but salvation has always, I think still been understood as more of a spiritual metaphysical idea. And, yep. um, and, and personal, right? Like my salvation. Yeah. yeah. So, so my issue is that, you know, uh, it, the the uh, I don't know. We can talk about, or can we? Maybe that's my question. I got to consider. Talk about you know, changing my beliefs with questions. Can we consider uh, if if we talk about salvation at a soul level? Can we make the equation of salvation of the earth at a soul level? Does the earth have a soul? Mm. So so to, I when I think of saving the earth, I think of it of purely in the physical sense. Yep. And saving the earth in the physical sense is to save myself in the physical sense as well. 
because if we destroy the physical earth we're destroying our physical cells uh, i don't know that i get the uh the, the 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 connection on a on a spiritual or metaphysical level when it comes to salvation so that that's that was what that's where he got stuck yeah. on that on that question and that quote yeah so i think she was just trying to say salvation needs to be more than simply spiritual or metaphysical it needs to include uh the physical and it needs to include the here and now and it can't just be about me and am i saved it needs to be what about we what about the broader world community sure. <clears throat> does it matter that the sun's going to expand and destroy us in a few thousand years um you know or not wasn't that wasn't that gary johnson's whole thing when he was running he's like you know the sun's gonna burn up and burn yeah a few thousand years so so why do we have to work this hard <laughs> we're all gonna die vote for me <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know exactly but but it does beg the question of if if that's what's gonna happen like what's the difference yeah there is there is that right i hear you Boy, we gotta we gotta come back to this. This is good. I, I could go off. We do. Well, I for me, the for difference is right now I would like clean air to breathe. That's right. All right, man. Have a good night. And to you as well. Good night. We'll catch you next time. See ya. Yeah.